It's wonderful, and I mean that, to be back with my favorite church family on an extra special Sunday. Yeah. Both locations gather in one place in one service. Uh, that happens to a degree on Christmas Eve, but this is uh, that other designated time. Um, what makes this even uh, more special of a Sunday after this service... Give me your eyeballs, everybody. After this service, uh, very quickly, we're only going to like make, wait maybe 15 minutes, head out back. We're going to have a dedication uh, service to dedicate and praise the Lord for our brand new youth building. So that's going to happen 1145-ish. That's a Haiti term. We learned from our sister church. Uh, uh, anyway, 1145-ish, I'm... Uh, and Denise and I are not going to go back because we need to get out there to be a part of that. Uh, Jason and Kelly are going to fill in. But anyway, 1145-ish. And if that's not enough excitement for one day, then we're going to head from there to the gymnasium. And our friends at BC Pizza have been kind enough to disrupt their schedule. And they're going to provide a pizza. Are you ready? Snack. We want to tide you over. This isn't a full-fledged meal, but we want to tide you over so uh, some of you aren't falling over uh, in, in hunger. Uh, anyway, we're going to have a little bit of uh, pizza and some beverage, some water, and then we're going to review God's goodness to us as a church in 2017 and look forward to what he has in store for 2018. Today, uh, Pastor Jason and I don't want to introduce anything new to you. Aren't you happy about that? Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, No new mottos, new goals, new mission statements. Instead, today we're going to attempt, uh, you can let us know afterwards how, how well we succeeded, to define clearly exactly who we are as a church. Uh, we're we're going to try, and this is who we believe we are. Talk to leadership, talk to the board and the staff. This is who we believe we are called to be. Now, I suspect that much of what we're going to say today is stuff that you already know. If you attend Walloon Lake Community Church or East Jordan Community Church regularly, I don't think we're going to say a whole lot today that you don't already know. It's going to be fairly obvious, which then leads us to the question, then why would you take the time on this special Sunday to speak about stuff that we already know? Good question. Well, for almost 27 years that the Lord has allowed me to be here, I've attempted to say this over and over again because this is really, in my mind, a key for us as a church, and that's this little saying, okay? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. How many of you have ever heard somebody say that around here? Uh, A time or two, yeah, like every week, come on. Find another saying. No, no, we're going to stick with this one. Uh, So I, I want you to say it with me, okay? Here we go. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Would you mind turning to your neighbor? And, and, and once again, just, just tell him. Okay, go ahead. Uh, tell him, would you please? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, 
We want to define clearly today what's the main thing, right? If that's the saying, if we're supposed to keep the main thing the main thing, then the question is, what is the main thing? Uh, Where is it that we as a church must stand and not move? It's the main thing. We're going to be strong here. We're going to be bold, and we're not moving. We're going to drop the anchor, and it's going to go all the way down to the bottom. Where is that main thing? Here we go. Hold on to your seats. Uh, The temptation for Jesus' followers in 2018, and might I just say the obvious, it's kind of a new world, is it not today, y'all? It's new. Things are changing quickly, and the temptation for churches is to tone down the message and just blend in. The, the temptation is don't make waves. Uh, don't appear to be intolerant. Don't be old school. Soften the tone. File off the hard edges. Because everybody knows you're not supposed to make anybody mad, right? Not supposed to offend anybody. Not supposed to tick anybody off. And I just want you to know that's the temptation today. So, therefore, don't talk too much about sin. Don't talk much about our greatest problem in life is being great sinners. Don't focus on the cross and the shed blood. That's too bloody and gory. People don't want to hear that today. Uh, And certainly don't talk about hell or the lake of fire or judgment. Bad form don't want to go there, so you just kind of ignore those subjects and focus on the happy stuff. Um, Our country has drifted quickly away from the principles of God's Word. Here's what I mean by that. The world, outside of followers of Jesus and the church, has always been, let's call it, ten yards ahead of us. But here's the problem. As the world has drifted and gotten darker and darker, guess what the church and followers of Jesus, they've still followed 10 yards. Do you you understand? And I could give you lots of examples um, about words that you were never allowed to say or listen to. Uh, I can remember being grounded for a week uh, with words now that we regularly hear just on the uh, 8 or 9 o'clock television show. It's like no big deal. Why is that? Because we just keep, it's just normal. It's, it's the new normal. And, and as the world gets darker, the temptation is for us just to follow along. Why? Because we want to get along. We want to appear like we're, we're trendy and we don't want to offend and we don't want to say that's wrong and that's sin, so we want to appear tolerant and trendy. Um, we want to say clearly here this morning, give me your eyes, everybody, that though our methods must change, give me an example. Um, When I got here, we had a piano, and we had an organ, and we had hymnals, right? Some of you remember that? Remember those days? Okay, a few of you, okay? And we're not here to debate, but we believe that we've been called to adjust the method to 2018, but the songs and the worship better be Jesus and Bible focused. Understand? 
So the methods must change. You ready? But the message can never change. The, the, the core message of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ, that cannot change, which means, listen close, if the methods remain the same and we're going to be strong on the message, that means we're going to be like the salmon going up the Boyne River in the fall. You understand? We're, we're going to be that fish and we're going to be swimming up the Boyne River. We're going against the flow. You understand? And we as a church, I understand, we're going against the flow. We're not doing what's popular and is pleasing to people. Here's what we want to say here today. You can hold us accountable, church family. We feel we are called to keep the main thing the main thing. And uh, the main thing is Jesus Christ and the cross and the shed blood. And he is the only hope of the world. And that resurrection early on Sunday morning and trusting in his finished work, that's the only way to receive eternal life. Meaning, we do not believe we're called to dull the edges. We don't believe here as a church that we're called to soften the tone to make people happy. We don't believe that we've been called here to tone it down and soften it up Actually, we've been called, we believe, to even raise the flag of Jesus and the cross higher, all the way to the top, even, even more so. Uh, Matthew 16 and verse 18 says it this way, uh, we are to storm the gates of hell in northern Michigan. That means we're on the offensive. Don't be offensive, but we are offensive-minded. We are to literally take over the strongholds of Satan here in northern Michigan. That's our calling. Um, which means we're called at times to make waves and be bold and be unapologetic about the main thing in life. And what is that? It's Jesus and his book. It's Jesus and his word. Um, some of you might be thinking, where do you see that in Scripture, Pastor Jeff? Where, is it? where do you see that we're called to be bold and strong? And politically incorrect, uh, I'd like to introduce to you Pastor Jason Ritchie. And uh, hopefully you got that figured out, Jason. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go over here and listen. I hope you do a nice job. Uh, he's, he's the campus pastor at the uh, East Jordan Community Church. And uh, he's going to open up God's book and show us where we're called to be bold and strong and not dull the edges. How many of you already know, and it's not news to you to hear today, that if we're going to be bold about anything, if we're going to stand up for anything, if we're going to make waves about something, it better be because God's word tells us to, right? And so, church, this is what we stand on. That's one reason why this is what we stand for. Can I ask you, God's people from East Jordan and Walloon Lake all gathered at one time in one place to stand in honor of God's word as we proclaim out loud together Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. You can read it from your bulletin on the screen behind me. Best place is your own copy of God's word that hopefully they brought along with you this morning. Let's read out loud together. You'll probably do it better than I will. Here we go. Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. 
first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the unity that we get to experience and celebrate this morning. We thank you for the exciting things that you've done in the past year that we get to thank you for today together. Lord, we thank you for the things that are yet to come that we get to look toward and prepare for and remind ourselves of what we're all about. And that's you and your son, Jesus. Our Father, we ask that you would help us through the power of your Holy Spirit this morning not to allow us to just hear from a couple of preachers, but to hear from you, to see from your word that you've called us to be about something, to take a stand for something that's bigger than any one of us, bigger than all of us gathered together here in this place. And your work in this church is not finished yet. Father God, we ask that you would encourage us, challenge us, make us more like your son Jesus, and more willing to continue with boldness to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. In whose name we ask it right now. Amen. Amen. As you take your seats, I just want to point out to you that uh, in verse 16 we see Paul telling us some words that are just as appropriate to us in this new world that we're living in in 2018 as it was when Paul wrote these words almost 2,000 years ago. And he starts with these words, I am not ashamed. And there's no secret message here that we can only understand if we're able to decode the Greek or have a master's degree in theology. No, Paul is saying exactly what he means. I'm not ashamed. I'm not bashful. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not timid. I'm not tempted to stand down or back down or pipe down when it comes to the gospel. Of Jesus Christ. The gospel is what we commemorated and remembered and celebrated together just a few minutes ago. It's what we've been singing about this morning. It's the good news. In fact, it's the greatest news that's ever been shared or received by anyone, including many of us here today. And the news that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life as he walked this earth. And that is God's own son, is God himself, he then sacrificed his life and died on the cross and payment for the penalty of the sins that you and I have each committed. And he rose from the dead, and he continues to live today, and he invites us, every one of us, into a relationship, a personal connection with the God of the universe that he allows us to experience and enjoy forever in his presence. That is the great news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that if we believe and trust in the work that he's already done on the cross, then we can have eternal life and a relationship with Creator God. Why, you might ask, would Paul ever have to point out that he's not ashamed? Why would anybody be ashamed of the greatest message that ever has been shared? And I'm going to suggest to you that there's three reasons, they're all in the text, even though we're not going to belabor each point, that Paul gives to us on why it might be reasonable, not only for him to have been ashamed so long ago, but for us to find some reasons to be ashamed of the greatest story that's ever been told. First, because then, just like now, this news is a little hard to believe. It's not entirely easy to swallow this story of 
a God, man, who lived a perfect life and sacrificed his life and then came to life again, let alone is able to extend that eternal life to us. And the fact is, many Romans that he was writing to, just like many Americans that we're reading today, thought that this was not good news, but fake news. That somehow it was easier to believe then, just like now, that we came from nothing on accident, rather than be created by someone on purpose and for a purpose. And most folks in Paul's time, in the city of Rome, in the, the empire of Rome, would have thought that the story of Jesus was just that, a story, an old wives' tale, a fairy tale that didn't have the stock of truth and shouldn't be believed. And anybody who did believe it would have reason to be embarrassed to do so. second reason that we see in Scripture that uh, Paul would have reason, perhaps, if not an excuse, to be ashamed of this greatest message that's ever been told. Because then, just like now, the culture around Paul was doing and saying the exact opposite of everything that God's word stands for. Everything that Jesus Christ modeled for, him, for us when he walked this earth and lived that perfect life. And in verse 17, we see the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. It's revealed in Jesus, revealed in the word. It's also revealed in the message of Jesus Christ that he holds out for us. As you see in the text, it's a part of the gospel to recognize that every one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. And it's only as we see the righteousness of God for what it is, his holiness, his wholesomeness, his complete and utter purity, the glaring light in the darkness of the sin of this world in our own hearts, that we can have the opportunity to recognize our need to accept a Savior in Jesus and respond to the message of the gospel. And you may have not noticed, as you look around our world today, the righteousness of God isn't necessarily everybody's cup of tea, is it? The same was true for Paul. He, he and that gathering of believers that he's writing to in Rome would have been considered odd, old-fashioned, uncool, and downright weird for the way that they were believing in this Jesus. That they were trying to live and love like Jesus did and called them to follow in his footsteps. Because it flew in the face of what everyone around them was doing. Sound familiar? There's a third reason that I see in this text that Paul may have had good reason to be ashamed of the gospel that he's talking about here. And that is because he would have to pay a price in order to share the message of the gospel. In verse 15, the verse just before, the ones that we read together, says the only reason he's writing this is because he's so eager. He can't wait. He's ready and willing and able and chomping at the bit for the opportunity to come to this new location where there still are people who have not heard the gospel in order to be able to share it there. He's wanting to go to ground zero of the moral decay that would eventually destroy the empire of Rome. And that's where he wanted to take the battle. But the fact of the matter is, that place, when he finally did make it to Rome, he arrived as a prisoner. And he was eventually, as we understand it, executed simply because he continued to be bold 
about the gospel. He kept the main thing, the main thing, even in the midst of the enemy's territory. There's three reasons that we've already looked at that give you some pretty good reason to duck your head and keep quiet about this Jesus and the gospel and the opportunity for the power of God to bring salvation to those who don't yet believe. With all these good reasons, then, why is it that when somebody might be ashamed, Paul says just the opposite, I'm not ashamed. And more so, he's even eager to share it even more than he already has. What is it that would give him that boldness? We read it together, verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to those who believe. The simple fact is this. Paul cared more about getting ready for eternity than he did about getting with the times. Paul cared more about lost people's souls than he did about other people's opinions. Paul cared more about others than he did about himself. And he cared more about obeying his master in heaven than he ever did about becoming a slave to the ways of the world around him. So he was willing to risk everything for the chance to say something about Jesus to those who hadn't heard the message yet. He was so eager to share the gospel to those who hadn't yet believed that he was willing to put everything on the line, set everything outside in order to do so. And so for us today, as we consider Paul in a very similar situation to the one that we're experiencing in the brave new world around us, if you care more about what people think of you than about what God has asked you to do as a follower of his son Jesus, if you care more about people's opinions than about the opportunity to share the God that you know with those folks, I want to encourage you to be a little more like Paul this morning, to continue to be a little bit more like Paul this week, this month, this year. When you go to work, when you're spending time with your friends, with total strangers, and with your family where it's the hardest to share the message. Because Paul wasn't ashamed. In fact, he was eager for the next opportunity to share the gospel. And if you've been laying low, ducking down, avoiding the opportunity rather than seeking it out to share the message of Jesus, it's time to step up rather than duck down. You may even be hearing the Holy Spirit speak to you, if that's you right now, that it's time for you to speak up for him. And yet, I suspect the majority of us here this morning are probably not in that position. In fact, you may have just tuned out the message as soon as we started reading those verses together. Even when Pastor Jeff said, well, you're not going to hear anything new this morning. You may have said, okay, so why are we going to go through the motions then? We've already heard this message many times before. Why would we repeat it? You might have tuned out when we started talking about not being ashamed of the gospel. Because you may be thinking... I believe the gospel. I'm even proud of it. I go to church when I can. I love Jesus when I think of it. Uh, The fact of the matter is, uh, most people know that about me already. I'm not ashamed. I'm not hiding my faith. I even led someone to Christ once, or twice, or five times, or 25 times. So I'm good. I'm clear on this message, right? I can sit back and relax, and God's not speaking to me this morning. This is for somebody else. You might also be thinking, uh, our church could skip this message too. As Jeff said, he's been saying the message for 27 years and uh, we haven't stopped giving this same message over and over. You may be thinking, enough is enough, right? 
We've done enough as a church. We've, we just built another building. We just added another pastor. Isn't enough enough? Can't we just rest on our laurels and continue on our way? You might be thinking, we could skip this message because we preach the gospel a lot around here, almost every week. We have outreach events. We even started a new location a few years ago just to take the message of Christ to those who hadn't yet heard it. We're good, Pastor Jason. We're good, Jeff. You can stand down this morning. Here's the thing. I suspect that verse 15 that we didn't read out loud together is even more appropriate for us to consider this morning than verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed of the gospel here in our church. Most of us as followers of Jesus aren't embarrassed by our faith in Jesus Christ. Quite the opposite. We're proud of it. We gain our identity from it. We gain our connection with each other because of it. But the question that I wonder, we're not ashamed, but are we still eager, looking for the next opportunity and willing to lay it all on the line in order to find and gain that chance to share the message with someone else? Paul had led thousands of people to Jesus Christ by this point in his ministry. He had started several new church locations, And he had preached the gospel more than anyone else alive on earth. If anyone had reason to say enough is enough, I can stand down and coast the rest of my life, it would be Paul. But the only reason that he's writing this letter that we're looking at today is because he was so eager. He was ready and willing and hungry to find a new audience to share the message of Jesus Christ with. To preach the gospel to those that hadn't yet been reached. And believed. And the fact of the matter is, we need to follow Paul's example there too. Not only do we need to still not be ashamed, we need to still be eager, looking for the next opportunity and every chance that we get to share it. Because if we're content, if we're satisfied with what God has already done through us, then we're going to miss the next thing that he wants to do through us. And someone, someone that you know, is going to miss the opportunity to hear the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Jeff said it before, I'll say it again. If you're content, if you're satisfied, this may not be the church for you. Because we are called, just like Paul, not to be ashamed, but to be eager for the next opportunity to share the message of Jesus. Until everyone in northern Michigan has heard the good news of Jesus Christ and believed and experienced that power that brings salvation, our job isn't done yet, is it, church? That's why we're not ashamed of the gospel. That's why we're eager eager for the next opportunity to share it. And that's why, from God's word, we have to continue to keep the main thing, the main thing. Jeff's going to come and share some things that that means to us as a church right here in 2018. They clap for you every Sunday over there at East Jordan? Wow, that was good. Okay, conclusions. If we're we're not going to pipe down or shut up, if we're going to stay bold and strong and eager... Uh, three conclusions. You're taking notes. Here we go. Uh, first conclusion. Uh, please understand this does not give us permission to be rude or crude 
or just plain jerks. Does not give us permission to be rude, crude, or just plain jerks. I think most of us have encountered people who almost enjoy walking around and telling people, you're going to hell, and I'm pretty happy about it. <laughs> I'm glad you're not going to my heaven. You'd mess it up. I'm quite, quite pleased that you're not going to be where I am, and uh, you're going to the lake of fire, and I'm kind of happy about that. Um, I love John 1.14. Put it up here. Here's the conclusion. John describes Jesus, and he says, Jesus came to earth, and... This Jesus was full of, say it with me, grace and that's the balance. We're called to be people filled with grace and filled with truth. Never in the Gospels do you see Jesus dulling the edges. You never hear Jesus playing to the crowd He never waters truth down, and yet he always stays rooted in grace, and I would add love. (laughs) Ephesians says we're supposed to grow up, quit being immature, grow up and learn to speak the truth with, anybody, love. So I would argue we're called to live and speak like Jesus with grace and love. Our main goal Track with me here. Talked about this for 12 weeks, church. Stay connected to Jesus. Abide with him. Stay daily filled with his spirit. And then be on the lookout for opportunities that Jesus will bring your way. Now, here's here's the bad thing. If you're not eager, if you're not looking, um, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, um, probably you're going to duck when you have the opportunity to speak up about Jesus. But if you do speak up and you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you're probably not going to speak well. You're going to speak with rudeness or too blunt or go the other direction and water it down so much that you really didn't share truth. Filled with grace and truth. First conclusion. Uh, Follow Jesus' example there. Second conclusion of staying bold and unashamed of the gospel. For a couple years now, uh, we have been emphasizing our new church logo. Can you say it? What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to love like... Uh Uh-huh. Good. You got it. That has been the target. How many of you are still wearing uh, wristbands? Hold hold up your wristband if you got it on. Uh, We got any more wristbands or are we out? We got a few. We got a few. See, Chad, I got a few in my office. So if you run out, uh, I, I got a little stash there. Yeah. Ten bucks, is that what we're asking now? Yeah, anyway, just, just kidding. That wouldn't be loving like Jesus. <laughs> be loving like the Sanhedrin. Anyway, um, we have printed on the bracelet and on our coffee mugs, and if you're a guest, good reason to fill out the cards. You get coffee tumbler mug, uh, our, our logo. But the reason, and I, and I don't know that we emphasize this enough, Um, The reason we love like Jesus is to earn the right to speak up for Jesus with our words. Does that make sense? In other words, if you just are into doing nice, good, moral, religious stuff, then people will assume that we're just nice, good, moral, 
religious people, but they've never heard the gospel message. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed of what Jesus did for us on the cross and shedding his blood to take care of my biggest problem. What's, what's my biggest problem? You like to tell me. What is my biggest problem? You're a sinner. And your biggest problem is your sinners too. Understand? So if you don't live like Jesus in order to earn the right, validate the message so that then you can speak up for Jesus with your words. We have the cure for the cancer of sin. Track with me. The cancer of our soul, which leads to eternal death, we have the cure for it. Do you understand? So when we speak up for Jesus, we've earned the right by loving like Jesus, and we speak up for Jesus, we're not doing something bad to people. We're giving them the cure for death of the soul. Do you understand? This is something that they need, they desperately need. Romans 10.14 says it this way. How can our friends and family who don't know Jesus personally, how can they hear and know about Jesus unless we tell them with our words? How many of you have family and friends, best you know, don't know Jesus? Can I see your hands? Okay. So, and if you don't have anybody, then you need to get out there and start meeting some people, okay? But, but I, I think most of your hands went up. You know people, and those are probably, how many have people around you that you actually really care about, and you love them deeply, and they don't know Jesus, best you know? You understand? So, you love like Jesus. We love like Jesus in order to earn the right, validate the message that we're going to share with our words. I'm all about living out gospel evangelism with our actions. That's supposed to be a part of it. But it can't quit there. You understand? Far too many Christ followers, that's all they're doing. And people say, well, aren't you a nice person? Aren't you a good person? Aren't you a moral, religious person? But we're not speaking up as we validate the message. Just going to point out two people probably three or four times every year, I hear somebody come to me, and and they're both kind of goofy, one especially, but I hear almost every year, three or four times a year, someone will come and tell me about Randy Cruzel. And they'll say, he's goofball, but but he loves me, and, and then I'll hear how he shares Jesus very clearly. How can he do that? He's earned the right by loving like Jesus now to speak up and share about Jesus. Another one, not quite as goofy, but pretty close, would be George Graham. Um, and, and, and again, they're sharing that, that he earned the right, he validated the message, and then had the opportunity to share Jesus. Do you, do you understand? That's what we're called to. We're, we're, and our, the people around us who don't know Jesus, who we care deeply about, how can they know unless we tell them? So here's, here's the tough question. When's the last time you spoke up with your words? And please, don't just speak up with your words until you earn the right to speak up with your words. We earn that right by loving people like Jesus did. And then we we get that natural opportunity to speak up for him. So here's what you need to know. We're going to keep bugging you on this. 
Jason and I are going to keep talking about loving like Jesus, but then we want to go one step further. And this is the key step. Don't quit. Now look for those opportunities to, with love and grace, speak to them about what changed your life. You know, it's a testimony. What's a testimony? I'm going to testify, wow, you should have seen me before I became a follower of Jesus. Look at what he's done in my life, and he'll do the very same thing for you. That's what you need to say. Talk about what you were like before. Talk about how Jesus got a hold of your life and just say, hey, and he'll do the very same thing for you. That's what it means to testify. Third conclusion of staying bold and strong about Jesus. And uh, Jason mentioned this a little bit, but I'm going to just make it real, real clear. Some people won't like it when we speak up for Jesus. (laughs) Some folks will take offense And they won't like us because we're talking about Jesus. They won't like our church. They won't like East Jordan Community Church. You guys are a little strong and bold and old school. They won't like Walloon Lake Community Church. You guys are always talking about the cross and the shed blood. And you're always telling me that I need to say yes to Jesus. Some people will take offense at the Jesus that we're sharing with them and they'll pull away from us. They will reject the Jesus we serve and the gospel message that we've staked our lives on. That's the reality. Here's the hard question that all of us have to answer. Am I okay with with a church that's going to stay strong and bold and unapologetic and they're not going to soften the edges and they're not going to tone it down or water it down or attempt to please people, and they're going to be in my face, and they're always going to be nudging and challenging me to step out, are are you going to be okay with that? Or or is this message a little too strong? Here's what you need to know. As the world drifts and continues to get darker, we as followers of Jesus and we as a church are going to stand out even more. You understand that, don't you? So, so as things keep getting darker and drift further away from God's truth, when you're standing back and standing strong on God's word, we're going to look even more unique. We're, we're, the light is going to shine even brighter. And some of you would say, well, that's a great thing, right? Except for this. Are you ready? Men love darkness better than light. So when we're standing bright and we're shining and loving like Jesus and talking about Jesus as we earn the right, they're going to love their darkness. Even They're not going to be happy with our presence. Do you understand? So so you need to understand that when you stand for Jesus, the message is going to be strong and bold. And you need to to answer the question for you, is that okay? That, That I'm here in a place... And they put their anchor down, and the message isn't changing. About 20 years ago, I recall, when we were going to Promise Keepers. Anybody remember going to Promise Keepers, y'all, men? I wanted to be the Promise Keepers church. I thought, why, do, why couldn't we just, we'll be the church for everybody, and everybody will like Walloon and feel at home here. And after a time, I realized, you know, uh, we're actually called not to be the Promise Keepers church. We're called to be the church that Jesus has called us to be. Keep the main thing the main thing, and that's not going to be the right fit for everybody, and that's okay. That's true. Yeah, you could could clap. That's allowed. Yeah, 
Just be careful if you say, sick them to an old grumpy dog, you know. <laughs> Could be dangerous. <laughs> um, just say it clearly as we close. We're called to be a Jesus cross, empty tomb, Bible-centered church family. We believe that the methods have to change, but the message can never change. So if you're called to what we're all about, and, and I pray that all of you are, but if you're called, here's my challenge to you. If, if this is the place God has called you to be, and you're in agreement with where the leadership has said, we believe this is where God has called us as a church to be, I would just say maybe it's time for you to jump on, jump on in. Um, if you've got the stands and you've got the folks on, on the field, I, I'm just telling you, come on down. We could use your help blocking. We, we could use your help catching some passes. We, we could use your help to get in the game. So would you consider come on, on down and get in it? Find your place where you can use your gifts to serve in the local church. I'm convinced that God's plan to reach the world today is the local church. New Te- if you look, all the books, they're, they're written to the church at Thessalonica, to the church at Corinth, to the church at Rome, to the church at Philippi, to the church in the region of Galatia. All, all of the New Testament practically, and even the Timothy and Titus, those were leaders and young pastors in the local church. God's plan to reach and change northern Michigan is the church. So if you want to go where the action is, jump in and get involved in the local church because that's God's plan to reach and change northern Michigan. So I'm just telling you, come on. We, we could use you. Get into a community small group. Right, Cal? Yeah, come on, get in. Uh, give generously to reach northern Michigan and to reach the world through our missionary endeavors. Our commitment to you, church, Uh, As leaders, by God's grace, give me your eyes, by God's grace, and you can hold us accountable, we commit before you to keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus and the cross and the shed blood and the empty tomb and to stay focused on God's word and anchoring every Sunday in God's word and challenging you to live like Jesus so you can earn the right to speak up for Jesus. We're, we're going to keep doing that Sunday after Sunday. That, that's our commitment to you, and you can hold us accountable. Final question. So are you with us? <laughs> are, are you in? Are you committed? Because what I'm saying is, if there's a battle, I believe we're called to have ministry on the front line. I had good friends, Vietnam War. One of them was on the front line, and one of them was water skiing and playing cards and had the greatest time in Vietnam. But he was like 100 miles from the action, never saw anything. And the other one still has horrible dreams and struggles with life. Why? Because he was on the front line. Very different war fought on the front line versus if you're 100 miles in the back having a blast. Listen close. I believe we as a church are called to be on the front line. 
are you with us? <laughs> You're willing to come up to the front line and say, yep, I'm all in. I'm wi- I get it. I understand you've, you've defined who you are and where we're called to be as a church family. I'm with you. I'm with you. Hope you all are in. If you are, would you stand? If you're in, yep, I'm with you. I get it. I'm in. Count me in. Okay, this is a, this is a pretty special Sunday. Um, I've asked one of the uh, longest-serving leaders here. He and Myron need to arm wrestle over who has actually been here longest. I'm not sure. Come on up here, Pastor Bob. But uh, he's going to come and lead us in closing prayer. Just want to go over a couple things. Um, Bob's also going to thank the Lord for the benevolent offering we're about to receive. So ushers, you can come on down at this time, sing a song of closing worship. Um, and then we're actually going to, looks like, close on time if, uh, if everything goes good. Um, and then we're going to meet out at the new youth center about 11.45-ish, okay? And then go from there about 12.15-ish, have our annual meeting in there. So one last thing I want you to do, uh, would you grab people's hands next to you? This is kind of a symbol of unity and oneness, and we don't get to be together as one church um, in one location very often in one service. So let's just kind of enjoy that, and uh, I'll be quiet now, Pastor Bob, so that you can actually pray. Yeah, you mentioned the grumpy old dog. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. As you're uh, holding hands together, and uh, if there's some gaps that need to be filled in the IOA, just kind of stretch across, guys. And uh, it is an opportunity for us all to be here together. I'd like to read uh, a verse from Romans, chapter 12, that says, uh, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ... We, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, your indescribable love for us. Your grace and your mercy go beyond anything we can imagine, Lord. And Lord, as we look over this past year, we recognize how you have provided for us in so many incredible ways. Lord, as we look at the new youth center that's going to follow this meeting, Lord, and we recognize all that you have provided for us. And Lord, as we uh, hold hands with one another as we're gathered together here, Lord, we recognize all that you have provided for us. And Lord, we also recognize that we are one church because we are founded by one gospel. And we're united to one Lord Jesus. And we're indwelt by one spirit. Lord, we also recognize that this unity that we enjoy and experience, Lord, is under constant threat because of our own selfish humanity, and because, Lord, we are so different and so diverse, and yet you expect us to be in unity. 
So clearly, Lord, we need your help. We cannot do this in our own strength. Help us, Lord, to work for unity so that we may accomplish your will and your plans for your church. We ask for your blessings, Lord, as we fellowship together. Help us, Lord, to extend hospitality and to greet one another and to welcome all the people in northern Michigan as we represent you. Lord, help us to fulfill our purpose, to take the gospel to our neighbors and our family, our coworkers and our friends. And Lord, help us to meet your expectation for us, and that is to go and make disciples. So Father, as we go about our business today and throughout this week and throughout the rest of this year, Lord, help us to be bold for you. Not in our strength, but in your power. And Lord, right now we think of the least of these in our communities, Lord. We recognize that, Jesus, you spent your whole ministry with the nobodies of the world. And Lord, as we uh, give today for the Benevolent Fund, we recognize, Lord, this is something you also expect of us to care about those who have less. And so, Lord, we ask your blessings upon this offering. May we use it to further the gospel and to meet the needs in our community. So we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful time we've had together here in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.